Welcome to the For the Church podcast, another great gospel-centered resource from Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. My name is Jared Wilson, and today I want to talk about the gospel-shaped pastor. You know, pastors uh, represent all kinds of people. There's not really one kind of pastor. We represent different personalities and tribes, different methodologies and styles, not to mention denominations, traditions, and theology. But I've learned over the years that there is something that many of us all have in common, a profound sense of insecurity, for which the only antidote is the gospel. And it's easy to succumb to the temptation to compare our ministry uh, to that of another pastor or give in to the need to impress others and be liked. The only remedy for these ministry idolatries and all other idolatries is the good news of Jesus Christ, because the good news announces, among many other things, that we are justified, accepted, loved, and satisfied by God in Christ. So until pastors discover and embrace their identity in Christ, which is accomplished by Christ and received by faith, not works, they'll keep on trying to find their identity in their position or in their preaching or in their persona, or even in their programs. While every pastor would affirm the gospel centrality to their ministry, we still need to remind each other this isn't just some religious formality. Knowing how Christ's finished works in our own lives and ministries is vitally important. So how do we become a gospel-shaped pastor? How and why should we keep the good news of the finished work of Christ at the center of our hearts and the forefront of our minds? Well, I think there's a lot of reasons, and I want to share just four of them, however, uh, with you today. The first is this. We must remember the gospel so we'll have the power that we need. In the trenches of day-to-day ministry, it can become tragically easy to think the whole thing um, is sort of a managerial enterprise. We plan and program, we mentor and coach, we write and preach. The relational work of ministry is also quite taxing, and studying will take its toll. Nearly every pastor I know has been wearied by ministry. And for this reason, we need to remember that Christianity is not an ordinary religious methodology. It is supernatural. We pray, therefore, because we aren't in control. We preach the scriptures because only God's word can change hearts. We share the gospel because only the grace of Christ can bring the dead to life. So we have to remember who we are in Christ, or we'll end up going on ministry autopilot, assuming that we're working under our own power. Knowing the power of the gospel means the weakness of the pastor is no hindrance to the Lord at all. In fact, the very idea of Christianity presupposes human inability and weakness. Paul goes so far as to boast in his weakness, knowing that when he is weak, Christ is strong. We're told once, this is probably uh, an apocryphal story here, but I think it's a pretty helpful, instructive one, that a Korean pastor once visited the United States and was asked what he thought of the American church, to which he replied, it's amazing what the church in the United States can do without the Holy Spirit. May this never be said of us. If we pursue pastoral ministry in our own strength, trusting in our own selves, we're going to be in big trouble. Our churches will be devastated, and so will we. Let us remember, then, all that we are is because of Christ, and apart from Him, we can do nothing. This reality will empower our leadership and our preaching and achieve spiritual impact. Secondly, we must remember the gospel so we won't be puffed up by success. 
Because we're sinners, we are prone to taking more credit than we deserve. For the pastor especially, the temptation grows to embrace the wrong kind of pride when things begin to go well in a church. It's fine, uh, for instance, to be proud of our churches. Paul often tells the churches that they are his boast. But he says this to encourage them and celebrate their growth, not to take credit for it. When we implement a program and it takes off, isn't it tempting to believe we can program success? And when we receive great feedback on our sermons, isn't it tempting to believe spiritual impact comes from our well-turned phrases more than God's inspired word? Maybe this isn't so for you, but it is for me. Success can be dangerous, especially for leaders. When we remember our identity in Christ, we recall it is He who has made us, not we ourselves. When we remember the gospel, it's impossible to get puffed up by success because the gospel is so humbling. It puts us in our place, while at the same time giving us great confidence. This is especially necessary when it's not success we're experiencing, but also failure. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. Right now, let's take a coffee break and hear from our friends at Midwestern Seminary. Midwestern Seminary's Doctor of Ministry degree program is your next step in training for local ministry. The Doctor of Ministry program at Midwestern Seminary is designed to equip and train leaders with a commitment to the local church. With multiple emphases available, including counseling, church revitalization, expository preaching, leadership, and missions, among others, your program provides the equipping you need in practical theology for direct church work and ministry leadership. And because all of our doctoral programs are modular, you don't have to leave your current ministry to pursue your degree. For more information, visit mbts.edu today. That's mbts.edu. Okay, we're back. I've been talking about the gospel-shaped pastor, and I've suggested that the gospel gives the pastor the power he needs and that the gospel helps keep us from being puffed up by success. At the same time, however, thirdly, we must remember the gospel so we won't be devastated by failure. I've pastored a church that tripled in attendance in a few short years and launched well-received program after program. But I've also pastored a church that held people like a sieve with a new decline around every corner. I'm here to tell you that neither was easier than the other. Both were equally tempting of the pride inside my heart. The great thing about centering on the gospel of Jesus Christ for pastoral ministry is that it helps guard against pride amid success, and it also helps guard against despair amid failure. In lean times, we can become despondent about our ministries and get wrapped up in sulking and self-pity. Or we can turn angry and defensive. The gospel is so calibrating. When we focus on who we are in Christ, His glory washes away our ministry idols with tsunami-like force. Focusing on Christ's glory changes us, even when there is no noticeable gain in ministry life. Think of Isaiah in the temple, for instance, or any of the other prophets. Think of how single-minded they were in God's work and His character in the midst of exile and captivity when times were low. Knowing we belong to God, knowing we are united to Christ, knowing that we are justified, not on the basis of our ministry success, but on the basis of Christ's, is hugely satisfying and supernaturally encouraging. Pastor, you need the gospel's clearing of the air, especially when the dust cloud of ministry rubble surrounds you. And one important way the gospel clears the air is by helping us correctly define success. So fourthly, remember the gospel so you know how to measure success. Growing a big church, leading a growing staff, preaching exceptional sermons, 
These are all admirable things, but none of them is anything the Bible actually calls us to do. That doesn't make them wrong goals. It just means we shouldn't tune our hearts to our relative success in them. No, the Bible calls pastors to do only a few important things. Make disciples, feed the sheep, equip the saints. This means it's not the pastor's job to be successful, but to be faithful. Pastor, may the Lord grant you incredible success. We can even pray he would help us be successful in the things he's called us to do. But let us pray more often and more fervently that he would keep us faithful. No one gets into heaven because of a big church or a dynamic preaching style. No one gets the crown because of book deals or speaking platforms or social media followers. We are saved by grace alone. Reflecting on his time in Corinth, Paul writes these incredible words in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. What then is Apollos? And what is Paul? They are servants through whom you believe, and each has the role the Lord has given. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. Big budgets and big buildings are not the true measure of our ministry success. The true measure is the faithfulness with which we've both trusted in and led people to the glory of the risen Christ. True ministry success comes not from our increasing, but from Christ's increasing. This is why it's important to remember our identity in Christ, because we are, as Paul says, not anything. Only God is. Let us pastor ourselves in and pastor others to that reality. Thanks for joining us on the podcast today. Make sure to visit For the Church online at ftc.co. That's ftc.co. And as always, if you like the podcast, share it with your friends, review us on iTunes. Every little bit helps. And until next time, may Jesus be big in your church. You've been listening to the For the Church podcast, hosted by Jared Wilson, managing editor of For the Church, found online at ftc.co. This resource is brought to you by Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Kansas City, Missouri, where we train leaders for the church.